Gustavo Preston, Brother Richard Hayes. Amen. Thank you, sir. Well, it's a blessing to be here this morning. You have your Bibles. We'll be turning to the book of Isaiah, chapter 56. We're just going to read one verse there in just a few moments and trust that you've come expecting a blessing and expecting something from the Lord that will help you live closer to Him next week than you have this week. You know, it's kind of amazing to me that you start thinking even about yourself and uh, you think, uh, well, I may not be quite as close to the Lord today as I was at one time in my life. And I realized then, if that's true, I'm a backslider. And that that word is kind of hard to bear, you know, that we've once been closer to the Lord and now we've backslidden. But that happens to us many times. And uh, so this morning, if you found your place in the book of Isaiah, chapter 56, if you'll stand, we'll read verse 10. His watchmans are blind. They're all ignorant. They're all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness and for your watch care over us. Pray, Lord, that you'll be real in our midst today. Lord, that you'll stir the hearts of your children. And, Lord, that we'll be submissive unto thy will. Lord, if there would be some here that are not sure that heaven's their home, God, I pray this morning would be the time, Lord, that they'd get right with God. And, Lord, uh, that they'd believe his word and make heaven sure. Go with us now in every undertaking. Lord, help us to stand with honest hearts and clear minds. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I've read this verse this morning as Isaiah saw his own nation in the days in which he lived. And he said, those that are set as watchmen are like blind men. They're like sleeping dogs that are supposed to war, and yet the dogs love to slumber. And I find uh, in the Bible no better description of the modern-day religious movement than this verse. And I might say so that we don't rear back and begin to pat ourselves on the back too much that Baptists are in that group. And I'd go a little farther to say that many independent Baptists are in that group. And I trust that God will speak to our hearts this morning and reveal unto us if we are in that group or not. We're watchmen that are set on the wall. The Old Testament prophet was speaking of the lax state that Israel found herself in, the state of apathy, the state of not caring. Not only was it God's people, but God's preachers that he found in this state. I'm afraid if we knew the true condition of the religious world, we'd find out that many, not only of God's people, but many of God's people, uh, preachers, are the same. They're unconcerned about the world around about us 
that is on their way to hell. And many of those people that are on the way to hell are people that are dear to our hearts. We who are given the responsibility, or might I say we who are given the privilege of being watchmen for God, I'm afraid we're being found to be asleep at the wheel. God said we're to be ambassadors of Christ. Now begin to think about what an ambassador is. An ambassador is an individual that's in a foreign country to look out for the interest of the country they represent. And God said we are to be ambassadors for Christ while we are here in this world of sin. We're just pilgrims and strangers passing through. There's a gospel song that they sing sometimes that gives me a thrill. And it said, I just stopped by on my way home. And I'll tell you, that's all we are. We're just here for a little while on our way home. But God has left us here for a purpose. And that purpose is that we get others, persuade other men and women to join us on our way home. We see here picture, the picture of a watchman. And back in those days, they had great walls around their cities. And they'd build little places for the watchman to stand. And they'd put them up with a roof over it and little windows in there so they could look out over the territory round about the city and watch for the enemy coming. And Isaiah said the people of his day were blind watchmen. That wasn't much protection, was it? I thought of some of these men that are in our audience this morning that's been in the military service. Some of them active duty were... Uh, they was in a war zone. How would you like to have a blind man standing out there on duty while you tried to sleep? I, I heard this story one time. This fellow told me that they had a sergeant in their outfit that could uh, stand up and sleep. And a lot of the boys would hire him to stand guard for them. And he'd go out there and put his rifle down and put his hands on it and Stand there and sleep. He wasn't much of a guard, was he? Wasn't much protection, was, wasn't much use. That's what Isaiah was saying about the people of his day that knew the truth, and yet they let people around them perish. And how fearful I am that that may be a description of us today who are children of God. Who, uh, who know the truth. We were talking in the prayer room a little bit this morning about those of our children and grandchildren that are raised right and raised in the church and then gone astray. That's much more dangerous than those who may have been raised out there and never known anything about God. To know the truth and to disregard it is rebellion. 
God said in his sight, rebellion is just like witchcraft. And so that's the, that's the picture we have here. How irresponsible it is to have individuals like that in such an important place. It would seem that our modern day religious bunch, and I use that word intentionally, religious, there's a lot of difference in religion and Christianity. I mean, a lot of people have got religion, no know anything about Christ. God said pure religion and undefiled. He was talking about those who are really saved and who are living right and who are conscious of what's going on around them. And it seemed that the religious bunch of our day are willingly and purposely remaining silent when it comes to awarding those with which we have to do. And silence gives approval. We've come to the place in our lifetime when sin is no longer preached on from the pulpit. I had a fellow tell me one time that he had a friend said there was two things his preacher would never do. One of those things was he'd never preach on hell. I tell you, I could stop right there and say that preacher needs to close his Bible and go home and forget about preaching. He said he'd never preach on hell. And he'd never name specific sin. You know, it's not very hard to stand up here and say, man, we ought not sin. That's pretty easy. That, that's pretty good to swallow, isn't it? I mean, anybody say amen to that. But if I start getting on your pet sin, and I say we, don't, we ought not to be doing that, then we see some backs bowing, puffing up, and some faces getting red. But I'm telling you uh, this morning that God expects us who stand in this pulpit to preach the whole gospel of God. That means to stand against sin. Sin seems to be no longer preached from the pulpit. It seems no longer to be excluded from our homes. There used to be a time when the head of the house said, there are some things can't go on in this house. Seems like we've got fewer and fewer of those individuals. And I'm afraid that it that we find so-called Christians who is not fearful of God enough to stand and say sin will have to be paid for. So we reached a time where people had rather be politically correct. I'll get that out in a moment. Rather rather be not judgmental. Have you ever been accused of being judgmental? You're judging me. My dear friends, if I tell you what God says and he condemns what you're doing and the way you're living, I'm not judging you. 
God is judging you. We've reached that place where people want to be non-judgmental, sensitive to feelings. I don't like hurting people's feelings. But I tell you, there comes a time when there's something in the lives of individuals that we love, we have to tell them that that's wrong and they're going to face the judgment of God. Regardless of whether their feelings are hurt or not. They'd rather be popular with the world as to know the fear of God. And I believe that's something that's just about left the thoughts and the hearts of people. Even those of us who claim to be fundamental, down-to-earth, Bible-believing Christians, we've lost our fear of God. We'd rather be popular with the world as to be popular with God. But I tell you, God's still on the throne. He still has just as much power as he ever had. He's just as much in control as he's ever been. God sent me to preach. He didn't send me to judge. He didn't didn't send me to execute judgment. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm telling you this morning, he'll do it. I read, a, I read something in the Sunday school book. I will, if I can find my Sunday school book, I want to read it to you. I thought it was so good, I must have lost my Sunday school book, brother. Bobby, how here it is. It says, when grace is rejected, only judgment remains. I underlined that. I may even write it down on a fly leaf of my Bible. When grace is rejected, only judgment's left. And I'm telling you, a large part of our world today is rejecting the grace of God. And I'm afraid that America is already seeing the hand of God's judgment move upon us. And we're right on the verge of turning against Israel. And I'm here to tell you this morning, when the United States of America turns against Israel, that'll be the last nail in her coffin. And so that's where we find ourselves this morning. There are terms that us Baptists fear. Somebody says you're old-fashioned. Man, who wants to be old-fashioned? The Bible says that God is the ancient of days. He's from the generation to generation. God's old-fashioned. And I'll tell you the old paths that uh, the prophets of God in the Old Testament set forth and the uh, preachers of the New Testament set forth, and all those individuals that followed God down through the ages that set forth, all of those old paths are still right in the sight of God. You can come up with all the new paths and new ideas and the new theories you want to, but I'll tell you, if they're not according to this old black book, 
you're going in the wrong direction. I don't care how many of the world flocks after you. Then somebody say, you're not youth or any. I want you to know, I praise the Lord for the young people we've got. And I'm going to admit something. I really don't like to do this, Brother Corey. But I have to admit, you younger people are probably smarter than us older folks. You've had, see, knowledge is what I'm talking about. Knowledge is the accumulation of information. And we live in an age of explosion of knowledge. Our young people start kindergarten. Man, they start using computers. I've been out of kindergarten for at least 20 years. I still can't. I still can't use a computer. They grab a knife. But listen, young folks, I, I built you up just to burst your bubble. I, we were, uh, a friend of mine and I were talking the other day about an individual that uh, is very dear to us, and, and they made a wrong decision. And I said, that's because they're young. I don't care how intelligent you are and how much information you have, when you're young, you just think different from what old folks think. You just don't make those mature decisions. Now, let me prove it to you. You say, Brother Eddie said nobody saying that's one of your ideas. So I'm going to, just for, for sake, I'm going to show you something. Second Chronicles chapter 10. Look at verse 8. But he forsook the counsel of the old man uh, that the old man gave him and took counsel with the young men that were brought up with him and that stood before him. Now, if you'll go back and read the preceding verses, you'll find out that Solomon's no longer king. Solomon's son has taken over. And the people came to him and said, Look, king, your daddy had really started getting hard on us. And uh, we wish you would kind of ease the burden a little bit. He said, Give me three days to think about it. And he began to take counsel. And the old man said, if you'll ease the burden on these people, they'll follow you and they'll serve you forever. And he called the young man in. And the young man said, no way. I wouldn't ease up on a bit. Man, I'd just put the fire to them. I'd put the burden on them. The Bible says that he listened to the young men. Now let me show you something in verse 14. And he answered them after advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add thereunto. My father chastened you with the whip, but I'll chasten you with scorpions. Now what happened? He took the advice of these young men. I believe they're sincere. I believe they thought that's what ought to be done. You know what? They were thinking like young men. Now listen to what happened. 
over in verse 19. And Israel rebelled against the house of David until this day. I'm simply saying that we ought to use the wisdom of the young folk, but the young folk ought to have enough sense to seek out the wisdom of the old folk. Sin is running rampant in our world today. And it's a sad state of affairs that many approve of the way it's going. I didn't look this scripture up, but I, I remembered it as I was thinking about this. There was a time in Israel when it said one of the kings disregarded God. And the people loved it to be so. And I'm afraid that's where we've gotten today. And sin runs unchecked. The people love it to be that way. And so we're supposed we're we are supposed to be watchmen, but we're giving our approval by remaining silent. Who tries anymore to warn young people about their, their modest dress? I wouldn't ask you to raise your hand, but how many mothers or fathers or how many grandmamas or granddaddies that are here this morning that have took your loved one aside and said, look, you're dressing immodest. You say everybody's doing it. It must be all right. That's the style. Oh, it's getting quiet now. Is there a reason that Paul told young Titus, older women are to teach the younger women? Because the older women are supposed to be wiser? But I tell you, older women can't teach younger women to do right if they're doing wrong themselves. I've seen this happen with men. Have a cigarette in the mouth saying, son, you ought never smoke. Boy, it's bad for you. How about the influence? Do you think those words mean? There's an old saying, actions speak louder than words. I certainly believe that's to be that to be true. When are we gonna get strong enough? When are we gonna get enough backbone as children of God to stand up and tell the world that immorality is against God? We read over in the book of Hebrews, and I know why this why it's so quiet in here. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 13 and verse 4, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. He just puts two groups of people who are involved in sexual activity. Those who are involved in the bonds of matrimony and those who are involved outside. The bonds of matrimony. 
That means that sexual activity before marriage, sexual activity during marriage outside of the spouse, and sexual activity after marriage. And I put that in there because one young lady came to me one time, quote, unquote, young lady, and uh, she was terribly upset at her father. She said, he's just fussing at my sister like everything because her and her husband's divorced and he's going back down there two or three times a week and staying all night. And I said, he's got a right to be upset because if they're divorced, he's got no business going back down there. And I didn't get that many amens. You'll say, preacher, I just don't like this. We'll get rid of you. You better hurry up. <laughs> have, we, have we got the backbone to stand against homosexuality when everybody is saying, uh, you ought to accept it? God said it's an abomination to him. Makes him sick to his stomach. If we're Christ-like, that's what the name Christian means. If you're Christ-like and homosexuality makes God sick, why does it make you sick? And we could go on and on about the things that's going on today that's contrary to the will of God. God's given us this body. And when we got saved, the Holy Spirit moved in. And it became the temple of God. And he has given it to us to protect and to preserve. And we ought to do our best to do that. And many are abusing it instead of protecting it. So we have here today preachers who stand and say, I'm going to preach the gospel of uh, the doctrine of love. That sounds mighty good to me, don't you? God is love. God so loved the world, he gave his son. On and on, you can read about the love of God. But let me tell you something about the love of God. I got just a little hint of the love of God from my daddy. When my daddy said, do something, I may not have liked what he said do, but I'd done it anyway. Because there was a little place out there. He really didn't have no certain place to you, too. <laughs> Wherever the need came, he made me sorry I made the wrong decision. And you know the reason he did that? He did that because he hated me. He did that because he loved me. And he wanted me to grow up to be a, a man of respect and honesty. And I want to tell you this morning, if you belong to God, he loves you more than any earthly father could ever think about loving you. And when you start disobeying his commandments, he's going to correct you. And if you ignore that correction, he's going to whip you. 
Now, that's the doctrine of love. But that's not the doctrine you'll get from many folks who claim they're preaching the doctrine of love. I promise you, I'm about through. And so don't forget that there are many that are preaching this morning who are not preaching the word of God. They're not getting their message from God because they won't condemn sin when they preach. And if we, if we get our message from God, there comes a time when you have to condemn sin. I had an old preacher tell me one time, he said, don't try to share the sheep every time they come up, but every once in a while they need a good sharing. And so it is this morning as we come to a conclusion. Let me tell you that regardless of what you've been told, or regardless of what you believe, there's two things that sin's going to do. Number one, you're going to bear the fruits of sin in this life. Old David committed a great sin, went to God, confessed it, over the authority of God's word, God forgave David. But he had to pay for it the rest of his life. And then he had to stand in judgment and give an account. And so will you. You'll have to bear the fruit. And then you'll have to give an account in judgment. Now, I don't know where you stand this morning. But I know this, God knows where you stand. And I know this also, that God loves you enough. He's not going to permit you to do whatever you want to do, whatever your flesh wants you to do. And not try to bring you back into the fold and conform you to the, into the image of his son. And I'll tell you, if I was here this morning and I had something in my life that needed to be straightened out, I'd get down here on this altar and straighten it out. I'll ask you to stand with us if you would, please. If you had a prayer and song leader come, I'm going to ask Brother Mac to stand over here on my right, please. Brother Bobby, if you'd come to the center, and Brother Chris go over on my left. These men are all here to help you this morning. You need counseling of any kind. If you're unsaved and like to get saved, they can tell you how. We invite you to come as we say, Brother Van. 280. 280. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. Would you come this See morning? on the portals, he's waiting and watching. Watching for you and for me. Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, oh sinner, come home. Why should we tarry when Jesus is pleading?
pleading for you and for me. Why should we linger and heed not his mercy? Mercy for you and for me. Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O oh, sinner, come home. This may have been a little bit of a hard message. To listen to, it was a little hard message to preach, but I believe it's from the Lord. Amen. I believe it's time that God's people woke up out of their yes. slumber and sleep. Yes. I'm going to do something I don't often do. Once in, just once in a great while, I do this. Bless you, Lord. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. so that we don't embarrass anybody. Amen. Is there anybody here this morning that say, Preacher, I'm not a child of God, but I'd like to be. I won't come to you. I won't call your name. Would you just raise your hand and let me see it? Would you just let me see your hand this morning? I don't see any. I assume with that everybody in here has heaven Amen. as a home for sure. What about the child of God? I've got something that I'm concerned about. It may be something in your life. It may be something in the lives of someone that's dear to you. I see hands, two hands, three hands all over the house. Amen. I've got something I'm concerned about. Yes. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing another verse. Amen. We'll sing as long as you come. When you quit coming, we'll quit singing and go home. Father, we thank you for today again. We thank you for all those that have gathered in this place. We thank you for the message you sent to us. God, I pray you'll apply it to our hearts. Lord, we saw a lot of hands. I trust you'll meet the needs and the lives of those individuals. And Lord, perhaps some of them, maybe many of them, needs to come, make the effort to come down to this altar. And Lord, to meet you there and to settle something with you. And I pray you'll give them the knowledge and the boldness to do what you've asked them to do this morning. In Christ's name, Brother Van. Time is now fleeting, the moments are passing, passing from you and from me. Shadows are gathering, deathbeds are coming, coming for you and for me. Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, O oh, sinner, come home. Oh, for the wonderful love he has promised, promised for you and for me. Though we have sinned, he has mercy and pardon, 
pardon for you and for me. Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O oh sinner, come home.